On this episode of The Grow Show, we talk to Jeff Rader, the co-founder and co-CEO of Harry's, an on-demand shaving company. And to this day, we still see a ton of people who try the product go tell everyone they, they know about it because they have a great experience with it. To your, to, you know, to your pain point, they didn't like shaving to begin with. Um, and the fact that now they can use a product that they like makes them want to share it with others. We are right at the cusp of something huge. We are at a crossroads and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. You're listening to The Growth Show with Mike Volpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Growth Show. I'm Mike Volpe, the CMO of HubSpot. The show is produced by Dave Gerhardt. And today, I'm joined by Jeff Rader, who is co-founder and co-CEO of Harry's. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we actually talked to you. You you were co-founder of another company, uh, Warby Parker. And we actually had Neil uh, on uh, recently, just a couple episodes ago. Um, So it's really interesting to talk to you now because you've now started Harry's, right? And I think uh, one of the things we want to talk about a lot is like that, how did that, you know, you went, started Warby Parker, Harry's, like what are the the similarities and differences? But why don't you start by telling folks like what, so what is Harry's? Yeah. Um, So Harry's is a men's grooming brand. We make our own razors, razor blades, and uh, shave gel and other grooming products uh, of the highest quality. And we sell them directly to people uh, on our website at harrys.com um, at really affordable prices. So our razor blades, for context, are half the price of those of, of other major brands. And in doing so, our, our goal is really just to deliver people better shaving experiences, grooming experiences, and better morning experiences. Uh, we want to make the act of shaving and grooming more enjoyable for guys everywhere. That's awesome because I hate shaving. And to be honest, like there's like, seriously, like I pro- I probably only shave three to four days a week because I hate it so much. But I I'm not one of those guys that can wear a beard and look cool doing it. So uh, I need to do the clean yeah. shaven thing. But I but that's so that sounds fantastic. I feel like there's a lot of pent up demand for what you're talking about for customers. Yeah, you're not alone. You know, we had the idea for Harry's when my co-founder Andy you know, walked into a drugstore one day, and he waited for ten minutes for someone to unlock the case where the razors were being held. Uh, he paid $25 for four razor blades and some shaving cream, and it just felt like that was an awful lot. It felt ripped off, and then was looking in his bag, and there was you know, this really futuristic branding, and it was all technologically driven. And so that whole purchase experience wasn't great for him, and he had the same emotion toward shaving that you had. He, he didn't like it, and he felt like those two things were highly connected. Uh, and so he called me and said, you know, could you take some of what you guys learned at Warby Parker and do it better here? Um, and I got super excited about that. You know, we want to make guys like to shave more. Um, and, uh, we feel like we can do that with great products, you know, really easy experience. You know, we want to get to know our customers and and try to, you know, help them have a good experience with Harry. So we email all of our customers after they purchase from us and make sure they're doing okay. Help answer any questions we can about our products or how to use them. Um, and we hope that that, you know, makes, uh, makes some small difference in, in their shaving routines and in, in their mornings. Well, so I'd love to talk about that a little bit more. So at least the story that I hear from friends that have worked at Gillette and the, you know, things that you read about is that there's so much R&D, like a ton of R&D and technology and research and all sorts of things like that that they've put into the products that they sell. 
how can an upstart, you know, startup like you guys compete with that effectively and, and really offer a great experience and a great product in a market that at least is rumored to have a lot of technology investment that went into those products with, you know, patents and all sorts of things. Yeah. So there is lots of R&D and there's also just lots of trade secrets and know-how mm. in shaving, specifically in razor blades. Hmm. Um, and that was something that we learned really early on at Harry's. You know, we Annie had this experience. We had this idea. We got super excited. And we realized pretty quickly that razor blades were incredibly hard to make. Uh, and we almost stopped uh, with the idea at that point in time because we weren't sure we could find products that could compete with the leading brands in the market. And then we found a, a factory. It's a 94-year-old factory in Germany. Um, and they make some of the best razor blades in the world. And what makes a great razor blade a great razor blade is the way that people grind steel. Um, steel has to be ground such that it's really strong in its base and sharp at its tip and it's done in a proprietary fashion uh, on custom machinery. You literally have to change the molecular composition of the steel while before and, and while you grind it. And so we found this factory um, and went there, tried the products, and they were really good. Um, you know, we think that, um, that they and a couple of the other major companies are the only people in the world who know how to grind steel this way. And so um, we got really excited about the potential to work with them, ended up developing a close relationship with them, worked with them on a custom razor cartridge for Harry's. And then after we launched and had tremendous um, a response to the brand, and we realized that customers really like the products as well. The vast majority of customers who buy from Harry's, you know, nearly 90% of customers who buy tell us they want to buy again. The vast majority of those customers come back and actually do buy again. So we had a product that we knew that people liked. But we also felt like there was opportunity to invest in R&D ourselves and continue to innovate. And so we actually went and we bought that razor blade factory. So we now own a razor blade manufacturer in Germany um, with uh, over 400 people, a bunch of amazing razor blade engineers, and invest pretty substantially in R&D ourselves through that factory um, and, and at Aries. Wow. And so did, I assume that factory obviously was selling to other folks besides you before you yep. got started with them. So are you still, is that still like a kind of a portion of your business or have you yeah, sort of wound yeah, that down? It's a, there? Yeah. It's, a, it's a business in Europe. They sell to sort of high end um, retailer, like sort of people who would be a mix between, you know, a drugstore chain here and maybe a higher end department store chain. So they, the, the retail landscape in Europe is a little bit different and they make custom products for those, those retailers. And they have a big business that's been really successful doing that. Um, I don't think they've ever really marketed those products exceptionally well. And so I think a thought that we have is we can take this amazing technology, craftsmanship. The average person, you know, who's worked there has worked there for over 15 years. So they have this deep embedded knowledge of how to make amazing razor blades. And then we can deliver them to people in a, with a brand that tries to make the whole process of shaving just easier and more approachable and, and in that way, hopefully more enjoyable. The other thing that's really exciting about us at Harry's today is we have direct relationships with all of our customers. So, you know, as I mentioned, we, we actively um, reach out to our customers after they order because we want to make sure they're having a good experience. And in the context of that outreach, um, we get a bunch of amazing uh, feedback and thoughts from them. Um, you know, most people say, I love you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, and, and just go on their way. But, but lots of you know, there are folks who say, look, I really like the product, but if you just had these one or two other features, I'd be super excited. Um, and so we take all that feedback, we listen to it, we categorize it, and then we use it to drive our development process and our R&D roadmap. Yeah, let's talk about that direct relationship with the customer, because I think that's fascinating. So you're completely right that, you know, people who sell razor blades today, everyone else, 
doesn't really have a direct relationship with the customer. Like Gillette has no idea who I am, yeah. even though I've bought like a boatload of stuff from them over the years, right? Because I buy it at Costco to save as much money on the ungodly prices that they charge, right? Yep. And, uh, but they have no idea that it's me, right? Uh, and so, you know, their whole relationship with me is through these 30 second TV ads that I fast forward through during, you know, when I'm time shifting my football game watching, right? So I think that what's interesting happening in the economy today, and even if you take, so I, I used to work at a software company and we ship software on CDs and DVDs, right? And we had some idea who the end customers were, but we sold through channel. And so yep. we didn't really have as much of a direct relationship. And then here at HubSpot, not only do we know every single one of our customers and have their contact information, but we also have a, a real understanding of how they're actually using the product because we can watch them and, you yeah. know, because it's all, you know, hosted in the cloud, right? And certainly, yeah. you know, you can't like shaving the cloud. I don't know how that would work, but you have such a direct relationship with them uh, that you can get so much closer to your customers, right? That, that must be some sort of, a, you know, a thing that you see as an advantage. So important. You know, I felt it for the first time in the context of, of that direct relationship at Warby Parker. So Neil may have told you about our early days there, but um, it was crazy. We were in school. We launched the brand, and we were blown away by the demand. And it was only four of us working together. We were still trying to graduate from school, which you know we barely did, thankfully. Um, and we had one uh, other person on our team who was essentially her job was supposed to answer phones while we were in class. Um, she ended up now runs our hundred-person customer experience team at Warby Parker, which has been pretty amazing to see. But, um, but I spent a tremendous amount of time in those first uh, few weeks and months talking to customers, interacting with them directly. We were making lots of mistakes and being able to, speak, to call somebody and say, look, you had this transaction with our brand. We really, you're really important to us. We want you to have a good experience. How can we make it better? I, you know, I care personally about you. was just so important. Um, and something that I completely underestimated until we launched Warby Parker and, and something that I immediately realized the power of after I'd been able to speak with lots of customers directly. And the same thing is true at Harry's. And, and, it, and Harry's, the interesting thing about getting no customers, which we think is so important, is that shaving is something that happens on a routine basis over time. And so when people order from us, you know, they come and we've created a starter set for them, which is essentially what we think of as just the easiest way possible to try the product. So it's a razor handle, three blades, and some shave gel. And it gets you started. It's your first month or six weeks of shaving with Harry's. It's only $15, super low barrier. And we just want to get, give people an experience with Harry's and, and then hope they like it and want to come back. But then when you start to come back, then we get to start to know you really well. So we know what you, what, when you came back, how much you bought, what you bought, what you like, what you don't like. And then over time, we can start to tailor your experience with Harry's to you in a more personal way. And we found out that like, our customers really like that. They, like, you know, we ask customers, um, as an example, we ask customers after they purchase from us how often they shave. And 60% of our customers should answer that question, which is amazing. And then what we do is we take that data and then we create, you know, people can either continue to buy over and over and over again for us, or they can subscribe uh, to Harry's. Um, we, we create shave plans, which are essentially subscription offerings for them, and we'll tailor a shave plan to you based on how often you shave. Um, and then send you that shave plan and email and say, hey, you know, we know you, you're an everyday shaver, here's a plan that's gonna work well for you. And I think people respond really favorably to it, and it's something that we care a lot about. Like, all we want to do is make this experience better for you. And the better we know you, the better we can make that experience. 
So it seems, so it seems like there's a lot of learnings that you had from the Warby Parker experience that have translated well to Harry's, but there's got to be things because the companies are different. You're in different markets. And I feel like, uh, you know, the market that you're in now, there's a lot more IP around the products that you were trying to sort of disrupt and replace. Whereas at Warby Parker, it felt like it was a little bit more where there was a little bit more kind of monopoly power happening. And, and there was, you know, basically one, I think, very large player in that market. Um, that was sort of just, you know, had very high prices. And, and so there's got to be some differences. Talk to us a little bit about what, the, what what things didn't carry over from your Warby Parker experience that you had to sort of figure out that ended up being different for Harry's. Yeah, um, I'll focus on two. So the first one that you raised was IP, um, which is really important. You know, at Harry's today, you know, we organization-wide, we probably have 25 or 30 people who are just focused on product engineering making amazing products the next generation. Um, and that is really complicated, challenging, takes years of development of R&D to do. Um, and it's something that we haven't had to invest in as deeply as Warby Parker, at Warby Parker because, to your point, the, the, the way that the products are created is very different. Um, we also bought, you know, we have a major manufacturing operation at Harry's now too which we didn't have to have at Orby Parker. We didn't buy our eyewear, you know, sort of production facilities at Orby Parker because there are a bunch of amazing boutique quality designer eyewear um, factories all over the world that we can work with. And it wasn't as core, that piece of the production process wasn't as core and it wasn't as differentiated as it is in shaping. And so that's dictated a very different movement strategy. You know, today I sort of really run the Harry's brand day today and my co-founder Andy runs a 400-person German factory. Um, and we don't have that at, at, at Warby Parker, but we think it's an incredibly important part of our strategy at Harry's. So that's first. Um, and we know at Harry's that product quality is paramount. And we are dedicated to delivering amazing products to people every day and then only making those products better over time. And so um, that is something that we've spent a ton of time on here. The next thing that I think is very different with um, eyewear and razors uh, and something that is obviously self-evident, but but dictates different ways that you may um, position yourself to customers is glasses are something that you really need to try on. People like to see how they look in a pair of glasses before they buy them, and we completely understood that from the very beginning at Warby Parker, which is why we developed a home try-on program where you could um, get five pairs of glasses sent to you at home for free, try them on share them with friends, share them on social, on social media, get a bunch of feedback, and then choose which ones you wanted to buy, send those glasses back, and we'd send you, you know, the pair or pairs that you would like with your prescription. Um, at Harry's, you don't have to try on razors. Uh, you know, people, I think, understand the product. They want to actually physically try the product and use it and make sure it works for them. And so we promote very low barriers to trial at Harry's, but you don't have to try it on. And if you take that a step further, you know, what we saw at Warby Parker was that we had a home trying program that was working incredibly well, but was one thing that was really interesting is that people started coming to our office because they wanted to try on all of our glasses. We started getting a thousand people, you know, to our office on a weekend. It was, it was crazy. Um, and so we realized that we needed to create an amazing forum for lots of our customers to interact with our brand and all of our products, and that led us to build retail stores. And that's been a really important part of our strategy. And again, it's just about figuring out what the customer wants and how best to deliver them a great brand experience. And, and at Warby Parker, we're able to do that with retail stores. You know, at Harry's, we have a retail 
store too. It's a barber shop in Soho in New York. And there the goal is to deliver people the best shaving experience they can. So we actually have barbers who are delivering people great shaving experiences, but the purposes are different. We don't, it's not really being, it's not a major push to sell Harry's product. It's more about delivering a Harry's experience where at Warby Parker, you can both deliver a great brand experience and sell lots of products at retail because that's what customers want. It seemed like at uh, Warby Parker, you know, I think there were, I think there were four co-founders and it seemed like you guys were all friends. Yeah. And it also seems like you were also friends with Andy, your co-founder at Harry's. What's it like starting a company with people that are friends, like close friends? I mean, you know, there's got to be times where there's disagreements and that's got to be a lot harder. I mean, you don't want to start a company with somebody you don't know at all, but I always feel like the, the ideal relationship is somebody you know, but have more of a business relationship than a friendship with. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. For me, it's been great. You know, when we built Warby Parker early, we all sat down together, um, this bar called Roosevelt's in Philadelphia. We said, look, guys, like, we're really good friends. We'd only met each other six months ago or something in business school. It's not like we knew each other our whole lives. We said, we're good friends. And doing this is going to be like getting married. Like, it's gonna, we're going to know everything about each other personally and professionally. We're going to spend lots of time together. We're going to disagree um, and agree. And so let's make a pact that regardless of what happens, that we will stay friends. And it's something that we all take really seriously um, and, and something that, um, you know, in the seven years since we started working on Warby Parker together, we've been able to, to maintain. We're all really, really close friends. Um, and my co-founders of Warby Parker, you know, are amazing people who I feel super fortunate to have gotten to build the business with and, and continue to work with on Warby Parker. So, um, that's been awesome. And then Andy and I had, had worked together, um, you know, for, uh, four years prior to starting Harry's. And again, you know, we were really close friends and I think, um, it's been a great experience for me to work with good friends to start businesses. I think one thing that's important to note about all the relationships that I've had with my co-founders is that we met each other in contexts that were either kind of professional or semi-professional, like my Warby Parker co-founders and I, you know, met in business school. And while we became great friends in business, we also worked on class projects together and got to understand how each other thinks and, um, and threw around lots of interesting business ideas together. And so we were still talking about business things, even though we were in school. And we didn't only talk about business things, to be clear, but you know, it, was a, it was an environment that was conducive to talking about lots of different business ideas together. And Andy and I worked together and worked on projects together professionally um, and became good friends at work, but again, knew each other in a professional context. And so I think that that mixture of having really close personal and professional relationships has been really important and valuable. And for me, where it's probably most valuable is that we just today know so well how each other thinks. And so when I see something happen and I'll call Neil, you know, to talk about it at Warby Parker, I have a pretty good sense for how he's going to react or what he's going to think about an idea. And the same thing goes with Andy and Harry's. And as a result, it just enables us to have really quick, efficient conversations where we get to the heart of things very fast. And we will disagree, but I think we respect each other a lot. And when we disagree, it's always for a good logical reason. We talk about it and then we also figure out who's the best person to make the decision and how to push it forward. And so um, it's, been, uh, it's been great to start the business with those folks. And, and I think we've only become closer over time. Um, as we just have gotten to spend more time together and work together and, and know each other even better. Neil, Neil talked about meeting up in this bar and trying to have a forum where you could have very own, honest and upfront 
yeah. uh, feedback for each other. Is is that something that you carry? Do you go to the same bar, by the way? And is it is is that sort of something that you carried over from that Warby Parker experience that you guys created? So you're saying that and I'm shedding a tear. It just closed, which is sad. Oh, um, you guys should buy it or something. I feel like it's just yeah, it's just like you know historic just, place for you guys. It's a landmark. Um, but but yeah, we we take feedback really seriously. Um, you know, Harry, as we talk about the fact that feedback is a gift, and, and it really is. Like, I love open, honest, direct feedback. Andy and I give each other feedback all the time, and I like it from our team too. Like, it's just so helpful to know where you stand with people um, and what you can do better. And you know, we what we're doing is really hard, and we have to learn a lot to get there. And so, for me, feedback just like helps us learn and helps us get better. The, we started the open feedback sessions at Warby Parker because it's something that we did at business school. We worked on these small learning teams in business school and class projects. And as part of that exercise, you'd have to get together and give each other feedback, um, which we thought was really important and valuable and helpful. And so in building Warby Parker, what we had to do is create a safe space where we could give each other honest and open feedback. And it's never about sort of who you are as a person, like we all, or, or how you, or your intentions. We all know that we're good people, we're friends, and we have the best intentions at the right point in time. It's just about behaviors that people have that we feel like don't lead to the most conducive and best outcomes all the time. And there, like you can then talk about those behaviors and how they make you feel and, and how we can work better together. And I think those conversations are super productive and really important to have um, and just enable you to continue to develop you know, better and closer working relationships over time. Okay, so one thing I want to make sure we have time to talk about is your launch. So you're getting into a market that has some very, very large players with gigantic advertising and marketing budgets. Uh, how do you think about that launch process? I, you know, I saw, uh, you know, the research that I did. It seems like you tried a couple interesting things that, that were pretty successful. So tell us a little bit about how do you approach that launch and, and entry into this market? Yeah. Um, so when we thought about Aries launch, you know, we felt like it was really important to introduce the brand to people through a credible source. Um, and that could be a friend, a family member, someone you respect out in the world who you might not know. Uh, us, me, me or Andy, talking directly to people um, to the extent that we could gain some amount of credibility that we knew what we were talking about with shaving. But we just felt like it was really important to tell people about this or have somebody who was really credible and well thought of tell people about, about the brand. And so we did a couple of things. One, um, we sent Harry's to a bunch of editors uh, at, you know, sort of fashion grooming editors at um, major magazines. And we said, just try the product. And if you like it, then give your honest perspective about it. And if you don't like it, give your honest perspective too. Like, it's good to have balanced thoughts. Um, and so people used Harry's. They liked it. And they wrote really, really nice and favorable articles about their user experience with the brand. Um, as well as sort of how we were thinking about the industry and creating a better experience for guys. And that was really helpful. The second thing that we did is we realized that, um, that you know, we were telling all of our friends about Harry's and all of our friends were getting really excited about Harry's and they were telling their friends about Harry's and that was a great way for us to kind of get the word out. And so we created a mechanism where um, it was like a little micro site where people could come in and enter their email, then refer friends to Harry's earn rewards for doing it, so we kind of made it a fun game. Um, the rewards were Harry's products, so people could actually get, you know, be the first people to try Harry's products by telling their friends about it. And that sort of experience and microsite went viral. Um, we ended up collecting, 
you know, ten to ten, you know, close to a hundred thousand or or a hundred thousand email addresses uh, through that campaign, and it was just our friends telling their friends, telling their friends, telling their friends about Harry's. And we thought that was a great way to share the brand with people. You know, it was really organic and exciting, and and to this day, we still see a ton of people who try the product go tell everyone they they know about it because they have a great experience with it. To your to you know to your pain point, they didn't like shaving to begin with. Um, and the fact that now they can use a product that they like makes them want to share it with others. So that's how we launched. Um, and then, you know, we had a critical mass of people trying and using the product. And then they started selling other people and it just kind of um, ballooned from there. Wow. Really, really cool and interesting. Uh, thanks a ton for joining us. It's been Jeff Rader, the co-founder of Harry's. Jeff, thanks a ton for being on the show. Thanks so much. Really appreciate you guys having me. No, our pleasure. Really interesting story. Thanks for sharing. And thanks everyone to listening to this episode of The Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd love if you left a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen. And if you want to chat about this episode or share some feedback on the show, we have a discussion set up in a group at inbound.org growth. That's inbound.org growth. Thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, I mean, if something if something goes bad, we you know we we have the ability to edit. We often don't. We often don't need to. Great. That's sort of the the the, the shot is to uh, you know do it quasi Great. quasi live. That we usually works out well. Yeah. So don't. I'll try, I'll try not to be edited, and I'll let you know if I if I mess something up real bad, and we should edit it. Yeah, it'll. Um, yes, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> what uh, and we'll um, yeah. Uh, what anything else? What did I miss, Dave? No, I feel like I usually do a better. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. My coffee hasn't kicked in yet. Cool.